We're going to talk today about two realities, and just want to read something. Why don't you put it up, John 3? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Pharisees were the religious people of the time, you know, seen as holy, holy. And he was a ruler of the Jews. Uh, The religious people controlled the society. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the word there, again, born again, is is a word that can also mean born from above. Unless a man or a woman or a young person has this experience of something beyond themselves, then they cannot see something And that something is called the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Remember, the first part was to see the kingdom The whole purpose of this experience was to see something and to enter into that something, the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I want you to keep all these words in mind, and we'll go boy, now back into the, the teaching, the two realities. If you get the PowerPoint, there you are. In, I think it was the 26th of March, 1999, Warner Brothers released a film right, that was going to become a mega hit. It cost them, I think, $64 million to make, and it grossed about $500, million, And basically, can anybody tell me what the film was? The Matrix, thank you. That's right, The Matrix. The Matrix was a a science fiction film, right, that captured everybody's imagination. And the whole idea of the the Matrix, the whole theme of the story, is basically something that you find that goes throughout literature. And it goes throughout, even, even in the modern Harry Potter stories, there are themes that what we would call are almost eternal, that, that they're within the whole human condition. And one of the themes of the matrix, or the main theme, was that everybody was basically a prisoner. They'd been taken over by machines, and they were being used by the machines to create energy for the machines. But what the machines did was they created a computer-generated reality 
called the matrix. And everybody lived their life in the matrix. But what happened was that they didn't realize that there was another reality. <laughs> and the reality was that they were actually all prisoners. And the matrix really was almost make-believe. Now, like many science fiction films, a lot of the matrix is quite prophetic because there's a big debate at the moment between what we call artificial intelligence. I've been reading about all that where machines can do the thinking. And, you know, even Facebook changed. The major company became called Meta because the guy who, who founded Facebook really believes the next step for the, the human race is we're all going to be part of a metaverse. In other words, it's going to be computer generated. You're going to have a headset and you can go into, into this computer generated stuff. You know, it, it's easy to see these things as nonsense, but they touch something. How many of you in the middle 60s were amazed when William Tiberius Kirk would open up his communicator and go, beam me up, Scotty? Yes, remember that? You went, wow, you've got, you've got a phone in your pocket. If you wanted to phone Australia, you could phone them just now. Well, you're sitting here saying, I oh, can't be bothered listening to him. I think I'll phone, phone my sister in Australia. We never dreamed of that, and we're amazed. And, and, and that's what science fiction does. It's kind of prophetic. Now, the heroes are Trinity, Neo, and Morpheus. And everything, Neo is basically, he was a computer hacker. And what happens is, he suddenly comes across in lots of things, this word matrix, and he doesn't understand what it all means. Morpheus and Trinity come and talk with him. And they're going to try to show him that actually everything he's living is basically an illusion. And it centers around two things, and it's coming here. It's a blue pill and a red pill. Right? We believe in the gospel, but it's a different pill, right? But it's a blue pill and a red pill. And what happens is the red pill and the blue pill represent a choice between the willingness to learn potentially unsettling or life-changing truth by taking the red pill or remaining in the contented experience of ordinary reality with the blue pill. What do you mean by that? Well, let me just read to you. This is a conversation, Morpheus with um, Neo. He says, Morpheus says, do you want to know what it is? The matrix is everywhere. It's all around us. Even now in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It's a world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Neo, what truth? Morpheus, that you're a slave. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch, a prison for, for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the matrix is. You can see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there's no turning back. 
You take the blue pill and you go to your bed, you're waking up and everything's going on as it is. But you take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. And, and this is the hub of the story. You've got a, a red pill, a green pill. You take the, the blue pill, hunky-dory, just keep on living. Take the red pill, and your eyes are open to what is really going on. And that's basically the story of the Matrix, how eventually this group of people destroy, in a sense, their... Greek word, aletheia, right? Why is that important? Morpheus says, all I'm offering you is the truth. Nothing else, just the truth, just the reality as it is. And why that's important for us, it says here, aletheia is variously translated as unconcealedness, disclosure, revealing, or unclosedness, the literal meaning of the word aletheia, the state of not being hidden. Why don't you trust politicians? You ever ask yourself, deep-rooted, why? Because you believe they're hiding something. True. True. Yeah, doesn't matter you just believe they're not being truthful. State of being hidden, the state of being evident, it also means factuality or reality. You see, in a sense, when the Bible uses the word truth, it's not just meaning that this statement is true, but actually this statement is reality as it is. Nothing is hidden. There are many different ways how people think the word came about. One person, the lithos kind of, I thought was quite challenging, was... A means, you know, without, and lithos is stone. And he said it was all about, in, in Greek days, if you lift a stone, you saw what was underneath. And it was all full of, you know, ants and cockroaches. Everything would run about scurrying. So nothing was hidden with truth. But we live in a world now where everybody has their own truth. You see, the matrix is not far wrong when they did this, because it's all developed, if you think of it. Who, who watched um, Prince Harry and Meghan with Oprah Winfrey? Oprah Winfrey would often refer to your truth. Yes, remember that? It's your truth. It's your truth. In other words, it's your matrix. <laughs> it's your reality. And, and why have we got a big, big problem at the moment with Scottish government, gender stuff, and all these things? Is because one group is trying to project their truth or their matrix onto the whole of society. And that's why, in a sense, British society, and not just British, but European and Western culture, I think, and great great danger, great struggle. And I think for me personally, the only thing that's going to solve it is going to be revival, where the Spirit of God moves in the land again. And truth, the reality, to come about again. But 
this whole struggle we're going through, you may not realize it, but it's actually, it's all about matrix, you know, all happening, people with their own truth. But the key thing there is reality. And when it comes to the Bible, the Bible essentially speaks of two realities. One is the kingdoms, get it up here, of the world, which is human culture. Remember the temptation of Jesus? Remember that? What does Satan offer him? Third temptation generally. Satan offers him all the kingdoms. If you bow down and worship me. Now Jesus is going to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's God's purpose for him. Satan offers the shortcut. And what is the shortcut? Essentially, come into my matrix. Come into my reality and you can have it all. But that's not what Jesus was about. And Jesus was about a different reality. And that reality is called the kingdom of God. Remember what we read there? If a person, unless a person has, has really a deep experience from above that opens your eyes, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You may think about it, you may read about it, but you cannot see it. And Jesus went that one step further. It's not only about seeing, it's about entering. It's about taking a red pill. <laughs> to use Morpheus's language, you take the red pill and something opens up. And you go down, what he said, the rabbit hole and begin to see things as it really is or are they really are. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And you see, for the Christian, Jesus is the way to God. And notice this, Jesus is the reality of God. Or if you wanted to take the red pill that I've been talking about, Jesus is the matrix of God. That's quite a thought, isn't it? You know, you've, have you ever thought of that? You know, um, Archie asked me, what are you talking about today? And I'm saying, I can't wait to hear myself. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like that. But it is, you know, if you think about it, it's Jesus is the matrix of God. It's how God thinks, how God, just how God does everything. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the way to God. I am the reality of God. And Jesus is the life of God. And if you know me, you know my Father as well. But Jesus goes on and says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, another helper, somebody of the same kind, even the Spirit of truth, which we call the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of reality, <laughs> the Spirit that creates God's matrix, which is called the kingdom of God, whom the world cannot receive 
because it neither sees him or knows him. What did Jesus say? Unless you're born from above, unless you have this interaction with God's Spirit, um, you cannot see this. You cannot understand it. And that's always a big, big challenge, isn't it? To see and to enter into this. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. So you see, for the Christian, you've got to understand this, truth is a person. You ever thought of that? Truth is a person. Because it's a person, Jesus and his Spirit, that takes you and me into God's reality. And so truth is a person, humanity, God, they come together in that truth. And what we have is the kingdom of God, which is a new matrix. And so just as in that story, you can begin to see how, you know, these great themes emerge in literature and films and everything. As I said, Harry Potter even has the theme of sacrifice, doesn't he? Those who've seen it at the end, Harry Potter gives up himself in order to save his friends. And, and what happens? Um, he who cannot be named kills him or thinks he's killed him. And there's almost like a resurrection in Harry Potter. It's the same. All these themes come out because they're deep within the human being. They're deep within our psyche, deep within our spirit. And these things all come out. That's why so no matter what you do in life, there's always that sense there is something more. True. All that there's, there has to be something else. There has to be. You know, I... I I've always, I've always been amused. I've gone to quite a few humanist funerals, and I always get, I always find it funny when so many of the relatives stand up, and they'll say, like, I remember one. The guy said, "Mum, I'll see you again," and I'm going, "But when I, this is a humanist funeral, you know, you don't believe in all this stuff, but you know, there's something deep within," and at that moment came out that there has to be something. I don't know what it is, but it has to be. And that is really the kingdom of God, the matrix. Now, remember the red pill and the blue pill, right? Here's another Greek word, metanoia, which means repent. Now, the word repent, I think, has had a bad deal. It's had a bad deal because it got confused with a Latin word, penance, You've heard of the word penance, and penance was all about you've done wrong things and you've got to kind of pay for the, the wrong you've done. But you see, repentance really is not about remorse, although there can be remorse, right? Repentance can be about regret, or it can have nothing to do with regret, because repentance, metanoia, means a change of mind, a reorientation, a fundamental transformation of outlook of a person's vision of the world and of themselves. In other words, metanoia means simply you change your mind. Sometimes that's accompanied by emotion. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's accompanied by real regret. 
but most times it's not. And what it basically means is you're going your way and you realize God's got a different way. And at that moment in time, you have a red pill and a blue pill, <laughs> if you want to use the matrix language. But you're actually what you're doing here is metanoia. You make a decision. You either choose to take the blue pill, remain as it is, or you take the metanoia, the red pill, and what happens as you start to go God's way. And that's why repentance is not a one-off thing. The whole of your life as a Christian is continual repentance. Why? Because what happens is that God's always showing you new things. There's new matrix, in a sense, in God that he wants to change your thinking, the way you live, your experience of life, your experience of him. So you're always confronted with this king called repent. But it's, you know, you, you, you know what I mean about the bad deal? We always think if I say, you've got to repent, you feel, well, oh, I don't feel sorry. Or, you know, I can't be unless I'm howling or I feel this or that. It's not repent. But that's not what repentance is. Repentance is simply stop going your own way, change of mind, I'm going God's way. And, and that is repentance. And, and as I say, when I first got convinced, I always felt, well, look, this can't be repentance because I'm not feeling sorry. <laughs> but it's not about, that's not what it's about. And so that's important. Ezekiel 47, I want to do a couple of passages in Scripture just simply to show you, right, just how the Christian life is really a progression of going ever deeper into the things and into the heart of God. And that's really important. Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament. He saw the destruction of Jerusalem, but then he saw something of the future. And it was all to do with God's temple. And it goes through various things, but in chapter 47, he talks about uh, water trickling out of the temple that trickles. Then it gets bigger, and as we'll see, it just goes into a mighty, mighty river that brings healing. It's a picture and a vision that he sees. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around in the outside of the gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out of the south side, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand. The man measured a thousand cubits. And then he led me through water that was ankle deep. Again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. And again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen me, seen this? 
Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw the bank of the river, on the bank of the river, very many trees on one side and the other. And then there's another thing, and I take it up here. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit in every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. And if you know your Bible, you know in Revelation 22, it's all about the tree of life and the leaves are all for healing. That was about a progression. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now that's two passages, and they're all about progression. So for instance, there's Ezekiel, the water from the temple. You notice that it's ankle deep, then it becomes knee deep, and then it becomes waist deep. It's a progression. And, and that's a wonderful picture of what it is to, to go as a Christian. You start life, and you're in the river of God, but it's only ankle deep. And you grow a bit, and it becomes knee deep. And a couple of years later, you're waist deep. But the important thing about all these things, we're still in control, right? We still have the ability. But you notice what the fourth thing was. It's a point where the river has total control. And all this progression, it always happens through metanoia, through taking the equivalent of the red pill. You see something great about God, you take the step, you make the decision, you repent, you change your life, and then it keeps on happening in your life. But it does come to a point where you're really challenged, and this is a big challenge, and not very many Christians, to be honest, ever go through this and, and can cope with this, and that is to get to the point in the river of God where you step in and you can't feel the bottom. <laughs> you're no longer in control. And I don't know if you've ever been, I remember in Scripture in camp, I went swimming in a river at Glen Etiv, flowing into Glen Etiv, and it was really about from here to the wall there, and I started swimming, and I kept going down the way. Have you ever been in a river where the current's taking you? You have no control. You just keep swimming, and you're going, and you're going, you're, oh dear, right? And that's a big challenge in repentance. And that's where repentance, I think, comes to its fulfillment, in a sense. When you move from ankle-deep, knee-deep, waist-deep, we're still in control. It's a point where the river has total control. And in 2 Corinthians, it's very much the same thing. Openness to the Holy Spirit. We become what we behold. And what happens is, there comes the point where the Holy Spirit is in control. And we participate fully in the kingdom of God. 
And you've got to understand that as a Christian. One of the best descriptions I use is, I was a child, as you know, of the 50s and the early 60s, right? My mother always chose my clothes, right? I used to go, she paid for it, so she had the final say. Not, not like today, I want this or that. How many folk did their mothers control their clothing? Yes, yes, right. Now, my mum only had one philosophy with clothes, and it was simple as this. He'll grow into it. <laughs> right, yes, he'll grow into it. So I would stand getting a new jacket, and the sleeves, I could always see my fingers, and my mum would look at it and say, I'll grow into it. I spent most of my childhood trying to catch up with my clothes. Because the point was, but see, by the time you grew into them, you know what happened? They were, they were really ready to get a new one. And so, for those who are not of that generation, some of us spent most of our childhood trying to catch up with our clothes. And, and we, never, we never did. You know? And it was just the way it was. Get the provy check, go there, and get your clothes, but you'll grow into it. And I've always felt that was a wonderful picture of what it is to be a Christian. And that's what these two passages are talking about. When you become a Christian, you get a revelation and you, you grow into it. And then God shows you something else. And it's metanoia. It's a red pill. And you have to make the choice. And you go into something and it's too big for you. But, you know, you grow into it. And then you go again. And without realizing it, you know, you've been growing. And that's what I, I think the wee challenge I got this morning where I felt the Lord said to me, you know, why do you keep looking at the uncultivated, the bits where the clothes too big for you? Think about all these parts here that you've grown into and you've now outgrown, you know, the clothes. And that's a big challenge and, 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 and it really is for us, you see, as, as Christians, we've got to realize there's our own reality and there's entering into God's reality. That's a big challenge for us all. It doesn't matter where you are, how, how great you think you are as a Christian. No, the starting point is always now. <laughs> not yesterday and not tomorrow. It's now. It's now you make the choice. I want to grow into the reality that God has. And here's a wee secret. You never ever get it. Because you always get something bigger, something deeper. And that's always a big, big challenge. When Jesus came, he said this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn around. Stop going your own way. Stop living in the matrix that you have created or being created for you. Stop living in that matrix. But come to me. Come to this kingdom. And learn to live 
in a different matrix. And really, the, the choice that, that Jesus always offers us, and that's where the, the whole thing in the matrix was quite profound. That's what Jesus offers you today, a choice of a pill. <laughs> a, a blue pill, keep going, just have a good life, fair enough. Or a red pill that can take you into a river that nobody can cross, a river that will take you into its currents, but it's a river that will bring healing to everything. A river that brings healing to your family. A river that brings healing to neighborhoods. It's a river. Problem is you will not have control over it. Because Jesus said he was away and he was a matrix. And to go in there, he has total control. And that is a challenge for, it's a challenge for me. I, you know, I, I've certainly never made it as a Christian. I'm just always growing into the clothes <laughs> that God has, has created for me. And when I retired, I just realized that God had different clothes and I had to learn now, how am I going to enter into that? A different matrix, that's the whole thing. And that's a challenge I would give you this morning, you know, that God offers you a blue pill, a red pill. And the key is, you have to take the red pill to enter into everything that he's got for you. So let's just have a few moments, just quietness. Um, you have your own experience. You've known times where God has challenged you. You've maybe opted for the blue pill. Perhaps it's coming back to you now and you want to say, no, Father, I want to go. I want to go for the, the red stuff. I really do want to enter into this river. I want to be changed from one degree of glory to another, and that's a chance. So let's just pray. Just let's have a time just of quietness, and then I'll finish off with the prayer. Father, that your word tells us that you're good. Do you want for everybody here the very best? For everybody here, you have a plan, a purpose, a destiny. 
And I would just pray, Father, as you bring to mind situations where we've made decisions that weren't right and decisions that we, we know within ourselves could have been so different. And, and we would just ask now that as we are faced, your hands offer us now this equivalent of a red pill and a blue pill. Father, give to us now the grace, the courage to take the metanoia, to go into this river and to move now in that river where we can't touch the bottom and we go where you go and to be changed from one degree of glory into another. We just pray, Father, now that you would take us in these things. And Father, give to us courage to take these steps. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.